Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the second and final episode of The Walking Dead, an Empire and Pilot TV podcast special. Yes, once again, Empire and the Pilot TV podcast have joined forces and folks, we've got zombies on the brain, which feels kind of apt, really. The first episode of this podcast crossover, which is still available for you to listen to right now or after this, or maybe before this, listen to the Mr. Double Bill if you want to do that, was an overview of all 10 seasons of The Walking Dead, the iconic TV show that is now available for you to stream as a star exclusive only on Disney+. And in this episode, I and my two co-pilots of such lethal cunning will be looking ahead to the 11th and final season of The Walking Dead, ahead of its premiere tonight on Star if you're listening to this on the 23rd of August, that is. If you're not, disregard that last bit. We'll be talking about our hopes for the season ahead, we'll be talking about our fears for the season ahead, and our predictions. As a famous horror movie tagline once put it, who will survive and what will be left of them? So, who are those co-pilots of such lethal cunning? Well, as before, they are James Dyer. Hello, Chris. Hello, James. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Excellent. And Beth Webb. Hello. Hello, Beth Webb. Hi. Hello. Can I just say that I am very disappointed in both of you? <sighs> you do this. I mean, that's, <laughs> you do this That's part of the time. course, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because I have made a slight effort with my, pot, my, I mean, with my uh, squad very, cast name. Very slight effort. It's more of an effort than you, James, uh, because I've written, I've, I've put my squad cast name as the Podding Dead. Because, you know, it's a podcast and it's about The Walking Dead. So The Podding Dead. I thought about doing The Walking Pod, but that might be about sort of perambulation and nobody wants to hear a podcast about that. So The Podding Dead, you, James, have just put your name as James. <laughs> yes. So I have made more of an effort than you. <laughs> and you, Beth, you are guest AG3D. I mean, come on. Beth couldn't even get her name right. If, if, if guest AG3D dies, we riot. That's right. I should have probably gone for with Daryl forever or Negan lives, but uh, unfortunately I didn't. I will say, before we'll get into it, obviously we'll, we'll talk about some of the major characters and what we think uh, might happen to them in the season ahead. But uh, I will say that off mic, James was very on brand immediately by being very, very pro-Negan, which is... <laughs> Just worrying. Make your seal great again. <laughs> <laughs> anywho, anywho, while these two guys are trying to come up with good squad cast names, something that pertains to the show we're discussing, uh, we are going to hear first of all from Angela Kang, who is the showrunner of the whole bloody affair and the executive producer and the co-writer, in fact of the first two episodes that are going to go out on Disney+. Plus, So you're going to get Acheron Part 1 tonight, Monday the 23rd, and then next week, Monday the 30th, you're going to get Acheron Part 2. So James caught up with Angela earlier on this week, and here it is. Enjoy. Welcome, Angela, to this Walking Dead special episode of the podcast. Uh, You've been part of the Walking Dead family since season two. How does it feel to be kind of entering the home stretch now? Um, It's surreal, to be honest. Um, You know, 
it, it's been such a long stretch and been such an important and huge part of, of my life and the lives of many of our cast and crew and even writers. So um, there's a lot of ways in which I can't even fully process it because we're only halfway through filming at this point. I think we're almost exactly at the halfway point, like today or tomorrow or something like that. So um, there's still a lot of... Um, road to travel, figuratively speaking. But um, it's definitely, I don't know, I, I get very nostalgic at times and very emotional at times. And so I think there's a lot of um, a lot of us that are looking ahead at the same time that we're looking back. And so it just feels like we're living in different timelines at the same time. Yeah, I can well imagine. I mean, to be on a show for that long, to have it be such an integral part of your life, it must feel at some point like it's, it's kind of in your DNA. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I had my child when I was um, on this show, like I was pregnant while I was on set and, you know, walking around in the heat, hobbling. Um, And that's been true for many of our crew members. And, you know, we've all built families, we've built careers, um, you know, various people have moved to Georgia permanently that, you know, first came out of Los Angeles. So it's really like a lot of us, like when something's been running for a decade plus, I mean, that's a whole life stage right there. And so I think that that's, it's just a big part of the fabric of who we are, you know? I mean, it feels like pretty much a lifetime ago, you know, that, uh, that Rick Grime first woke up in that hospital room. I mean, <laughs> What's been the highlights for you personally working on this for for the last 10 years or so? Um, There's so many highlights. Like, I, you know, I get this asked this question sometimes and I'm like, I'd, it's hard to, to draw it out. Like, I'll, I'll say things that I remember very clearly and with great fondness. Like, I remember um, first um, being in the writer's room um, with Frank Darabont and like the first time he really like loved a pitch I had. Like, I remember going to Greg Nicotero's shop K&B, which is like, if you're a big nerd, like it's uh, it's like going to Toys R Us for grownups and he's just got all these great, like, you know, things, memorabilia and like things he's built for different movies. So that was really fun. I remember the first Comic-Con we went to when people still didn't totally know everybody so we could walk the floor. I remember certain episodes we've shot. Like I, I remember so much um, the season four finale where everybody converged on Terminus. I co-wrote that with Scott Gimple and for some reason that one just was really special um you know and i had my my son out there as as a baby in georgia while we were kind of scouting everything in atlanta and the weather was like cold and crisp and perfect and you know everybody was amazing um i i remember when i became the showrunner like it's there's there's so many moments and you know there's also been so many goodbyes to people that um show goodbyes because I'm actually in touch with almost all of them like this is sort of like a family that just even actors who never worked with certain actors meet each other at um, like uh, fan conventions and so it's just one big um, messy happy family so I think that's been really meaningful is like just these relationships we've all formed over the years. And now you've not got that much left to go. I must say, having watched the first two episodes of season 11, you are not messing about as we go into this home stretch. Um, but the biggest appeal to me, I think, was seeing that we're really getting into the thick of it with Maggie and Negan. Uh, was that relationship one of the big draws of going into this 11th season? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I think for all of us that write the show, we just, you know, you have two people that hate each other. And it's like, ooh, now that's fun to, to write. Um, so I think with Maggie coming back and like Negan having kind of been on this journey where he's trying to get in with this group, like there's so much built in tension and and everybody gets it at a glance. You know, you don't have to like really build anything up like the guy killed her husband, like. Of course she hates him. She tried to kill him. Of course he doesn't trust her. So I think like for us, like we just really have enjoyed diving into these themes of like, what does redemption mean? Can that happen? Can somebody rehabilitate themselves? Can forgiveness happen when people hate each other this much? Can enemies trust each other and work together? Are you doomed to repeat the same cycles? Um, all of those are questions that we just were talking about with these two characters and that we get to kind of tell this story about them over time. That's been really like creatively interesting and fulfilling. And I hope that the fans feel the same way. Speaking of Negan, I genuinely don't think it can be understated kind of the job you've done in rehabilitating that character. Like you took one of the most hated characters on television, someone whose entry was so shocking and upsetting and just kind of people had a visceral reaction to it. And not only have you brought him full circle to a place where we're kind of sympathetic towards Negan, but he's actually now one of the most compelling characters, I think, on the show. I mean, would you agree? I Well, I'm glad to hear that. That's, you know, that was our goal, but it's, you know, you, you hope that you pull it off. And I think, you know, there's, um, it's just a credit to the incredible writing staff that I have. Like we all like have worked so hard to just kind of talk about like, what can you do with this character to show all the different facets of him? Um, you know, when we create a villain, we hope that we're creating a villain that has multiple dimensions, but you know, that's, it's ultimately like we do our best to do that. And then we put it in the world and then the fans really decide whether it worked or not. And we can't control that. So, um, so it's, it's really, um, it's good when we hear that people felt like, they have a changed opinion of Negan, but that they still find him to be scary and fun to watch and unpredictable, but that he's also like humanized in a way that they didn't expect. And so um, I don't know, like th that's just been something that we've worked on um, and, and tried to do. Um, and I think we've had the benefit of him being a villain that didn't die at uh, the end of his villain arc, you know, and in some ways like that very controversial decision that Rick made in the comic, which characters in the show didn't like, but which even a lot of the fans didn't like um it did give us that opportunity that he would the character was hoping for that maybe something else could emerge you know and so that's been really cool for us to get to work with and you got to do that here's negan episode along with the other bonus episodes you did at the end of season 10 like and which were lovely lovely kind of character led small episodes that really progressed especially negan as a character presumably if the pandemic hadn't happened you never would have got to do that that's correct. I mean, those were really, those episodes were driven by, um, by the pandemic coming along and want the studio wanting to put the show back in production, but knowing we could not come back and do this giant, um, you know, the, the scene that starts uh, episode 11 premiere um, and all the, the work that we have in there, you know, we had, we had outlined that before the pandemic hit. And so they were like, well, there's, there's no way we can do that safely. Um, when we start, like, we don't even understand how to like get production up and running because everybody was figuring it out. 
So it gave us just a real opportunity though, to just kind of tell these smaller intimate stories. I'll say that there's pieces within the, those um, season 10 extensions that we had planned within season 11, but we sort of like cut them up and, and put them in different ways. We probably would have done a Here's Negan story at some point, but it would have been done in a different way. So I, I love that we got to kind of tell that those stories during that time. And that in some ways, Here's Negan became a different, more intimate version of that story than maybe we would have told. But I think for the better, um, I think it forced us to be really, really creative about how we told that story. And it was really fun to bring in Jeffrey Dean Morgan's real life wife, Hillary Burton, to play Lucille, um, who we always kind of wanted for that role, but it just worked perfectly because she was available, you know? So um, yeah, it's, it, I, we were fortunate that it kind of played out that way. They're all lovely, all of those. I actually really enjoyed the Daryl one in particular. Yeah, he's, he's great in that. I'm, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I think one of the things I've always loved about this show is that it isn't really a zombie show, or at least it hasn't been, I think, since since like one of the early seasons. Um, it's not about zombies. It's about the characters. And the zombies are this kind of environmental hazard that are always there, but they're not what the story's about. I mean, is that the way you guys kind of see it in the writer's room? Um, yes, yes and no. Like, I mean, I think, yes, zombies are always a really important part of the show, but I think what differentiates the comic book's take on the zombies, and that's what we carry into the show, is that the zombies, like, it, they really are us. And because everybody's infected and, you know, there's like this whole moment where Rick says, we are the walking dead, um, it's really always been a story about how there is monstrosity inside all of us that is waiting to come out. And what do you do with that? And so I think in that way, like it really, the story has leaned a little bit more into perhaps like a thriller genre in a lot of ways than just pure horror. Horror is part of the fun of the show. And I am a huge horror fan. So I love when we get to do those like kind of just scary horror movie episodes, but I think like more of the exploration of like, what are the lengths to which you'll go to, to survive in a world like this? Um, that's always been kind of what the show is at is core. You know, it's those questions about who we are and who we want to be. Because the show's always explored that kind of gray area of shifting morality. Like it, it feels like the show makes a real effort to detach itself from, shall we say, pre-apocalyptic morality. And, you know, and picture a world where everyone, you know, good or bad, ends up doing fairly horrific things, you know. And I think it's to the show's credit that it takes the audience along for that ride. Is that a tricky line for you guys to walk? I think it's always a tricky line to walk, but I'll just say that like, we, as the writers, like we try not to um, dictate like what our own feelings about a situation might be um, because the audience may, depending on their point of view, see something really differently. I mean, you know, as a writer, when we were writing season two, for example, we were in the room going like, okay, well, Shane is the villain of the season. And, you know, and so we're going to build it. And he's, you know, he's doing the X, Y, and Z thing that's villainous. And then it was really interesting to see that season kind of hit um, the world. And in fact, we were being told by uh, our wonderful partners at AMC, like who have like really like give us a lot of leeway 
have good notes, but they were like, well, you know, that feels too arch from Shane feels too arch. You know, we want to kind of humanize the the villains and make them feel like really grounded. And we're like, no, we think we are. And then, you know, a lot of fans were like, well, Shane's always right. Like I'd rather go with Shane. So it's interesting because it's really kind of a point of view thing. And I think, yes, like there are, there are times where I feel like I think I know who I side with in this situation, but we try not to like, just put like a, to tell people like exactly what to think. Cause in some ways I think that that can turn people off too, is like when we try to prescribe what the morality is, because it's, it's just, it's very complicated. And if anything, I think a lot of entertainment has taken, it can be a little more, um, I don't know what the right word is. I don't want to say simplistic because it's not exactly that, but it's like, you know, there are definitely points of view about what is right or wrong that is very, very informed by your your culture, by like you and your individual experiences. And in some ways, like, it's all mashed together in apocalyptic settings, you know. As we go into this final season, we are going to get our first proper introduction to the Commonwealth, uh, which in the comics is the closest I think we've seen in this world to a, a sort of society attempting to rebuild the old world. Would you say that's kind of the theme here? I'd say that's accurate. Like, I think um, the Commonwealth is very much a story about trying to put the world back together the way it was before, but was the world the way it was before without its problems? I, so I think that that's the interesting question that you um, you find in the comic book. And then obviously, like in our show iteration, we've, we've taken that and we've also kind of like gone different directions with it, you know? So, um, so yeah, but there's, there's just a very interesting... I think philosophical question at the heart of that society um, that that you get to see in the comics. Interesting times ahead. Uh, last question I would ask just before I let you go. I mean, the last time we saw Rick Grimes, uh, he was in a helicopter being flown away by Jadis. I mean, is the plan still to continue Rick's story in sort of feature film format? I certainly hope so as a fan of Rick. Um, you know, I always have to defer questions on the universe because that is not my particular realm. But um, as far as I know, there's still movie stuff that is that is churning along as we speak. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I want to see that story too. To be continued. Well, Angela, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. It's appreciated. Thank you. Great to talk to you. So Jimbo, now that the whole 14 minutes of Angela Kang has unfolded in real time, giving you and Beth plenty of time now to get into your squadcast names, what have you come up with? Um, <laughs> I played the whole thing in real time. I made you guys listen to it, but you were, you were able to come up with your own stuff. Uh, Beth, come on, tell me. This is inspiration live, 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 live. Okay. No pressure, Beth. No pressure. Ooh, okay, right. This is actually, oh. there we go. Justice this, for Shiva. Yes, this was inspired. I'm so sorry, I can't remember his name, but a, a listener reached out after our, our other spoiler special and yeah. um, brought up Shiva, and it, it did remind me of um, our fallen queen. So, justice for Shiva. Oh, um, poor Shiva. We were also eaten by zombies. Eaten by zombies, and we were robbed of a zombie tiger, which admittedly we did get later in Army of the Dead, but yes, not I the still same would have time. quite liked to have seen it. Um, her as a zombie would have been pretty, pretty boss. Yeah. Oh, poor old Shiva. If Shiva died, we didn't riot. We did not riot. We did true. not riot, no. Oh, it was Beth very did. sad, though. That was a very sad scene. 
I was, I was sorry to see Shiva, especially when Dog seems to be hanging on with his claws Ugh. and refusing to die, whereas the great big tiger is the one that gets eaten. So, uh, Yeah, rightly so. I'm, I'm a dog person. And, uh, mm, dogs, me too. But know. if I owned a tiger, I'd very much be a tiger person. <laughs> yeah, dogs are more willing to obey your commands, I think. I think uh, that's probably yeah, tiger would turn on you in seconds. Although that's obviously Shiva didn't happen. Uh, James, now what have you come up with? Nothing. I've good. come up with nothing. Right, good. You're going to have to well give me done. a second. Um, All right. Well, listen, bef- while you're still faffing around trying to come up with a squadcast name, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Well, we, we've been lucky enough to see the first two episodes of season 11, the final season of The Walking Dead. Now, we're not going to get into spoilers about anything that happens in it, but what I will say is that these two episodes are fantastic and they get this 24-episode final season off to a very, very strong start. There are twists, there are turns, there, there's tension, and there's a ton of really cool and offensive zombie sequences and zombie kills and lots of dramatic interplay as well uh, amongst our cast of characters. So I think this is off to a really, really good start, folks. It's really difficult to stick the landing of a TV show. For every show that I think has an acclaimed final season or an acclaimed final episode like Breaking Bad, which I think is fairly universally considered to, to have stuck the landing. There's something like Game of Thrones, which was a little bit more contentious, perhaps, shall we say. Mm. With this, with the final season of The Walking Dead, what does it have to do in your eyes for to stick the landing and to be seen as both a great final season and also a great final episode? It's a complicated one for this one. I mean, they have a template, which whether or not they choose to use it, I guess, is up to them. But they do have Robert Kirkman's comics to go to. So we're going into the Commonwealth storyline, which is the final big storyline in the comics. That said, you know, as we've discussed before, so many of the characters who were alive in the comics are dead here and vice versa. And completely invented characters are here now. And I think some of the roles that were taken by other characters in the comics are now being lent to other of the major players on screen. Yeah. Um, so whether or not they go down the same route that Kirkman went, which was, I think, quite jarring and a surprise, as we forget, because The Walking Dead ended very suddenly, very deliberately, sudden. but very suddenly. They didn't announce it. In fact, they deliberately misled people that they were planning issues going on further ahead. And then they That's had a bumper right. final episode, final, final issue, I should say, a bumper final issue, which ended the story and ended it very well, I thought. I thought it was, it was yeah. a lovely conclusion to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they can get that sense of not being anticlimactic, being fulfilling, being satisfying and doing right by their characters in the same way that Kirkman did, then I think we'll all be in a pretty good place. But also you have to bear in mind that this is the end of this primary story. It's not the end of The Walking Dead. We've got Fear the Walking Dead. We've got uh, Walking Dead World Beyond. And potentially we have the feature films, the Rick Grimes, Andrew Lincoln feature films, which we will hopefully get to see at some point in the future as well. So this particular story of these particular characters wraps up for now, but it isn't the end of this world. So I guess the pressure isn't as horrific as it was for the likes of Game of Thrones. Beth, what do you think? No, I would agree with that. I think at this stage now, it's a service to the fans. That's what that's what we're seeing this three for at this stage. You know, as as you say, the pressure's off for the spin-offs. There's been some some meaty, enticing work at play as to what we can kind of expect. And the way that Michonne left the the series was really interesting and just those little snippets of of that. But yeah, at this stage now, it's the fans who have stuck with the show through some <laughs> some pretty horrendous times. 
some pretty upsetting times. I think it's yeah, it's it's now that that we're going to see the pressure on to keep those fans happy, and I'm sure, I'm sure they've got a few tricks up their sleeve. What are you looking for from an ending for this? Are you looking for something that's that's hopeful, that's optimistic? There's a there's a thread that runs through the finale of the comic book, and again, we're not going to get into spoilers. I actually do want to talk about how much this will. James, you talked about it a little bit, but how much this will cling to the contours of the comic book, given that the characters, the the you know the dramatis personae of the uh, of the comic is vastly different from the players we have in the TV show. But I do want to talk about the idea of hope that runs through the finale of The Walking Dead, tinged with a little bit of, of realism and a little bit of pessimism, obviously, but it is a fairly hopeful conclusion. There's that thread that's introduced very early on in both comic book and the TV show as well about we are The Walking Dead, and a character specifically says otherwise towards the end of the comic book, we are not The Walking Dead, that there is hope for humanity and there is hope for society, a rebuilt, refashioned, retooled society. Do you think that the show will go out in similar terms? Do you think it'll it'll go out with a smile on his face rather than a, a bullet in his brain or a you know, zombie's <laughs> teeth in his neck? <laughs> I think we'll probably have a hint of that, yes, but I think we're going to go through some dark times first. I mean, it's not a spoiler to say because he's already departed the show, but the big sort of bombshell that drops in the comics is that Rick dies in the final storyline. And that's clearly not going to be a thing here because Rick has already, as we said, left the show. So I do think we're going to be in, someone else is going to have their head on that block, I'm fairly mm -hmm. certain. I think we're going to lose a major player during this final storyline. I have genuinely no idea who it's going to be, but I do think we're going to lose someone. So I think we're going to we're going to go through the ringer a little bit in this, in this home stretch. I think it's going to be some hard watching. I think it's going to be brutal, <laughs> but I think we're going to come out the other side and there will hopefully be a hint of light at the end of the tunnel. Whether or not it's a zombie train coming towards us, I don't know. A zombie train. Yeah. Well, a train that's been bitten by a zombie and then that's it becomes right. reanimated. Yeah. Absolutely. Driven by Shiva. Mm. Yeah. Angela Kang, if you're listening to this and I know you are, get in touch because we have a spin-off for you. That'd be amazing. That would be so great. Zombie train. I don't think it's ever been done before. Zombies on a train? I can't imagine yes. why. But a zombie train? Oh, my God. But yes, Beth, what, what do you think? Are you, do you think it's going to be optimistic or are we all going to be... Are we all going to come out of the final episode with that that you know, thousand yard stare? Oh my god! <laughs> Depression. I think it's going to be Daryl in a bar. Journey don't stop believing on, and then Carol. And <laughs> it's going to be. It has to be hopeful. It has to be. We can't have put ourselves personally through these. It's been over ten years that we've followed some of these characters. That we've been with them through these like moments of absolutely monumental loss and it's something that i said in the the other special that we we did that this was this was one of the first shows that really did start to hurt people and people formed huge emotional attachments with these people so again coming down to this service to to people that followed it all this time there there has to be hope i mean it's what keeps these characters from you know, just ending it all themselves is this hope of this this greatness behind it or some sort of divine bigger picture or some real kind of sense of humanity. So yeah, I think it I think it has to, but as James says, we're gonna have to earn it. I think we really mm. are. And I think, yeah, a few inevitable uh tearful goodbyes are on the cards. Um, although obviously we are saved from a few of those because we know about the Daryl Carroll spin-off, etc. 
Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. That they've 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 talked about that, that they've they've announced that. So that uh, that Norman Reedus and Melissa McBride are going to have a Daryl and Carol spin-off, which I think I said this last time as well, but I just cannot get the idea that it's gonna be a seventies style sitcom like <laughs> Love Thy Neighbor or Bless This House or or something like that or Man about the house, or you know, any, no, all those all those really cheesy seventy sitcoms. <laughs> I wanted to have a laugh track. I wanted to be about them, you know, getting back into suburban life. Uh, but next door is their neighbor, and he just happens to be a zombie, and <laughs> and you know, all sorts of hijinks and shenanigans ensue with a laugh track, multi camera sitcom. Make it happen. Well, I think it's not a spoiler to say that that the first episode of this season has a has an element of zaniness that I haven't really seen before. So I think if we can transfer some of that, like it, I don't think it's a spoiler to say there is a split screen <laughs> in the first episode of season 11. If we can have some lovely split screens and, and a laugh track for Daryl and Carol, I think we're... Uh, <laughs> This is the bold new terrain we need. Never mind three uh, Rick films. We need a, a yeah. zany uh, or couple spinner. But they could do that, can't they? Because I, I wonder if they've taken inspiration a little bit from what. Um, and if anyone's if anyone's checking their watches, going at what point will Hewitt crowbar mention of the MCU into this podcast? <laughs> um, uh, your your watch should be around the thirteen minute mark by the time we cut all the faffing out. Uh, so you know, maybe they've taken inspiration a little bit from what what Marvel are doing with their TV shows, you know, so the WandaVision is a weird messed up parody of classic sitcoms. And, you know, each one is pushing the envelope slightly. Loki was very, very strange and out there as well. So who knows? You could have, you could have a quiz show. You could have a Daryl and Carol quiz show where they're just hosting some sort of weird, you know, everyone was looking for the host of Jeopardy, right? They, you, know, they, you know, there was a whole hullabaloo about who was going to take over from Alex Trebek on Jeopardy. Maybe it's Daryl and Carol. I mean, that's that's what the show is, right? It's just Jeopardy, but stretched over <laughs> seasons. So you could do that. You could have a sitcom. You could have an animated series. You could do all sorts of stuff. Cookery show. You could have a show where we're just following Daryl around in a motorbike. No, that feels like that's been done. Hmm. But anyway, yeah. Could have all sorts of stuff. Exactly. All sorts of stuff. We have a little bit of MCU crossover because obviously Corvus Glaive is joining The Walking Dead for this final season. Michael James Shaw, who's going to be playing Mercer, who we do see in the uh in the first two episodes of this new season he's uh, uh one of the first people from the commonwealth that they encounter yeah so that's exciting stuff it is exciting mm. yeah it and uh, he's very good again we don't want to give away any spoilers about uh, episodes one and two but he's very good in both those episodes he is very good especially the musical numbers really good <laughs> <laughs> and the cooking he can work his way around the kitchen what can i say <laughs> Yeah, the musical number set in the kitchen was a bit of a surprise, but <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Uh, so, should we talk a little bit before we get into it, into the into the reads or, or the reduces? Uh, should we talk a little bit about the idea that we're going to be hurting by the end of this mm. show, by the end of this season? That we expect one, maybe two, maybe three major characters, maybe even four. Hell, push the boat up. Maybe even five major characters might kick the bucket in some way before the end of the show. And it's interesting because obviously the comic book and the, the show for so many seasons was centered around Rick Grimes. And in the absence of Rick Grimes from the show, how have you seen it fill that void in terms of, you know, is there a central character to really hang our hat on now? Or do, is the show much more even-handed and democratic in terms of parsing that, that, that stuff out? 
And from that, as a result of that, does that mean that we have way more people to be invested in? So any one of the, I'd say, 10 or 11 key members of the show, you know, even up to Eugene, even even Eugene, if Eugene Eugene dies, we'd be sad, right? Daryl, Maggie, Negan. I think we can all agree that the hero of this show now is oh, undoubtedly God. Negan. Now, I, you, I, I, normally I would be jesting at this point and being all pro Thanos, but in this case, I've got to be honest with you, I'm 100% serious. I think Negan is the only person I would put money on not dying. I think Negan is going to make it through the end. Really? And I think it's all part of this greater redemption arc, and I'll tell you why, because I think the work they've done, and I go through this with Angela Kang slightly when I spoke to her, it's like the work they have done in rehabilitating that character is extraordinary, and I think they've done an incredible job. I think it is in large part down to the inherent likability and charm of Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who makes that character, not only is he idiosyncratic, he's quirky, he's interesting, he's brutal, but he's there's a, there's a real pain at the heart of him. And I thought we started to see that, I would say, actually last season, and to a certain extent, even slightly before that. But when with the Here's Negan episode, with that sort of bonus episode that we saw at the end of season 10, we got Negan's origin story. And I think even people who weren't buying into his redemption, into his rehabilitation, you know, to see how he became the monster that he did ultimately become, I think that's useful. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it, you see the human inside the villain if you haven't already. But I think he puts such a nuanced performance into this that during the beginning of this, and maybe it's just me, you know, I'm rooting for Negan. Like, I, I, like we, we're seeing like him and Maggie, like him and Maggie on screen. Me. This is the exciting part of season 11. We're going to get Negan and Maggie back together because Lauren Cohen obviously left the series. But not in a romantic way. That's not no, your. No, 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 okay. They're not going to end. I'm not shipping them. This I need to make this absolutely that clear because that would be that would be so wrong. That would be how this ended. Oh, I know I beat your husband's head in with a baseball bat, but yes. Let's jump into bed. Did play catch with Herschel like at the end oh, of God. the world? No, it would absolutely be imagine? not. Imagine if it was like when Harry met Sally, and all the way through the final <laughs> season, we got little vignettes of people talking about how they met, and the final one is Negan and Maggie. It's like, well, how did you guys meet? Well, it's a funny story. <laughs> On the sofa with the bad wallpaper, Herschel oh. sat on Negan's knee, reminiscing oh about the time oh that, that his stepdad bashed in his dad's head with, oh a, no. with a bat. Presumably they don't play a lot of baseball together. That would oh be, no, that would be yeah, dad, catch. No, I'm, I'm good, son. Or maybe they could call their new daughter Lucille, just, to, <laughs> oh, just for no, an no, extra... No, no, no. Just like the extra little kick, the extra little chef's kiss. <laughs> genuinely that, genuinely that, because... As I think I've mentioned many times before, the introduction of Negan was a big step for this series because it took it further and more disturbing than it had ever been before. And it was all focused around that character. So you hated him so much. And now he's this really interesting character. And I, I'm, you know, it's certainly, I totally understand why Maggie wants him dead. I can't blame her in any way, but I'm still rooting for Negan. And let me tell you, Robert Kirkman, I think, the creator of The Walking Dead, he has a soft spot for Negan because at the end of the final comic it just says at the end of the letters section where he talks about it, or it just says at the bottom, Negan lives. And I just think that's, it does. That's how he signed off The Walking Dead. His final thought for The Walking Dead was just Negan lives. And I thought that was absolutely beautiful. And he did a similar sort of thing to the Here's Negan thing where he did a kind of an epilogue comic, which did do sort of Negan's, uh, a sort of a Negan story at the end, which I thought was a really nice, a really nice way to send it off. Yeah, so, so I'm here for Negan. Uh, if Negan dies, well, I riot. <laughs> you may be on your own there. Uh, no, I think he's. I think he's great, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan's fantastic. And I do wonder, God, if it's one of those things where if they maybe cast anyone else. Oh yeah, 
literally anyone else. Yeah. Uh, who knows? We he may not have stuck around, but uh, what? Well, but it was it was a controversial decision when Rick decides that he's going to after the end of the Savior War. When Rick decides to spare Negan's life, that's controversial in the show universe because a lot of the characters really disagree with it. But also outside it, I think a lot of the audience were a bit like, "Really, we're keeping this guy around? We hate this guy." But I think you know, Angela Kang in particular saw the opportunity there too take that character and do something with him also once you've got jeffrey dean morgan on staff you don't let him go do you i mean that would just be wasteful so uh yeah i think they've done a great job yeah i think i think the departure from negan in the comic books as well was obviously smart because i would by no means be rooting for negan in the comic books who's obviously a lot more dastardly and evil like really he is really yeah. truly evil in the comics and he's really truly evil in this but i said this on the on the other spoiler special like i do think this show is its strongest when we're we're rooted to a really really bad baddie for one mm. of it and that is my professional take a really bad baddie baddie bad baddie man and uh <laughs> he's still keeping us guessing he's still slippery yeah. you know yeah. you're you are having to you know, project your own feelings onto this person because he's still really shrouded in mystery. We don't really know mm. where he's going. We don't know what he's going to do. Part of what I really loved about uh, last season is the, the unpredictability with Alpha and, and you know, that coming mm. through and, and it turning out that he was an ally with Carol and, and that turned out to be, you know, that mysteriousness to him, that elusiveness turns out to be his kind of greatest weapon. And I think we mm. are at this stage pretty hooked with regards to that. And that is a, that is a big appeal of the show at this stage it's kind of not knowing where he's going to go next everyone else at this stage incredibly noble even you know people who didn't start out the way are now on a very very noble path he is the one person who i still can't figure out and probably won't until the very end which is why i think yeah it would be silly to kill him off at this stage this is why I think he's the most compelling character because he's a wild card. He's completely unpredictable because you don't entirely know where he's going to fall because yes, he has had this rehabilitation, but he's still kind of very much in terms of a, he's, he's a self-interest driven character. He's a survivor. He's always looking out for number one. You know, he might have a slightly softer side now, you know, a good few years in prison will do that to you, I guess. But you don't know what he's going to do. And actually, I think that's a really useful tool for them going into this this next phase when we're introduced to the Commonwealth and everything within that to have someone like Negan where you don't know quite what he's going to do. Uh, that's a good thing. Interesting. Okay. So, so there does seem to be, there's a lot of enmity between Negan and Maggie for obvious reasons. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's going to end with them somehow falling in love and having a, a kid. So where do you think that's going to go? Because there, there seems to me to be three outcomes there. One is Maggie kills Negan. The other one is Negan kills Maggie. And then the third one is that they finally set aside their differences. Hey, remember that time I killed your husband? Sorry about that. Bygones? Uh, yeah, and they they learn to grow, and that's maybe the seas of optimism I was talking about earlier on. That maybe it's maybe it's incumbent in, in there. Maybe it's that's where we find that optimism in that moment where Maggie finally forgives Negan. Now you could talk all day, and we probably will about whether Negan is worthy of that forgiveness. But maybe that is symbolic of this brave new world that the show is going to take us take us towards. What's your take mm -hmm. on that? What's your take on that and, and Maggie as well? It'll come to a head. It'll definitely mm. come to a head. There has to be a point where she confronts him about the fact that he stove in her son's father's head with a bat. You know, and also like Negan, 
when you look back on it, Negan had his reasons, as in, because when you look at it, and no, 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 no bear with me, is, stay with me on this. this stay is. with me on this. The saviors, while definitely the villains, were not the aggressors in that particular situation. It was Rick's team who started that fight because they went and killed a bunch of the saviors in their little outpost in their sleep because they were doing that job for Hilltop. So they did start it. Admittedly, Negan then took it to a whole other level. And I think what made Negan such a hateful villain was A, the shocking nature of that scene where he kills two major characters, but also and I think we touched on this last time, there's a real sort of controlling, abusive dynamic in the way that he uses fear to control people without physical force. Like when he'd go to Hilltop and he'd say, Rick, hold Lucille for it, and he'd give Rick the bat and walk around unarmed, knowing that Rick's fear of him would stop him from raising a hand against him. And there's something about that kind of really manipulative, coercive control that's really chilling. But I'm digressing slightly. I do think they will have a face-off. I think there will be a moment, and I think Maggie will ultimately choose to let him live, partly because he's a different person than he was, but also partly because I think that's that's a bit of an abyss to tumble into. That said, were I Maggie, I would have shot him in a heartbeat, oh, and he'd already be on bleeding site. on the floor. On-site. <laughs> yeah. It is a it is a mystery how he is still alive. To be honest, <laughs> I mean, it takes a lot that it was the dying son of Rick mm-hmm. to write a letter. Like it was his death wish for his father to get along with. That's the only thing that was keeping him alive. They really, really had to put a strong case across to keep him alive, and it yeah. was. It was that. It had to be this dying wish between father and son to make amends, and that's God because he's dead. So it's just like. What is it at this stage? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing apart from his and maybe his allegiance with Carol after what happened with um Alpha is really only the the only real tie that he has with them now. Because Carol's the only one who has made any kind of effort to keep him alive by yeah, simply moving no. him out of the community. You gotta think no one would bat an eyelid. No. Like if Maggie shot him dead, like but in the middle of like Hilltop, you got to think everyone would be like, anyway, no one's going to do anything. He had it coming. Exactly. He only had himself to blame. 100%. <laughs> exactly oh okay okay wow all right well listen we'll talk about daryl and carol in a second but i do want to talk about maggie as well because uh obviously lauren cohen came back to the show she left for a little bit then came back and in a way you know daryl is obviously the huge core of the show carol's a huge core of the show as well but we have a feeling that they might survive for this jeopardy quiz show cooking show spin-off that they're going to do huh. Maggie feels a little bit more of a wild card for me as well, Jimbo, and that she's someone who is, you know, not... I feel like we are spoiling the comic book left, right, and center here, but she's still around when the comic book finishes uh, uh, also. Uh, she's a huge part of the comic book. She's a huge part of the TV show. But is she a bit of a wild card in terms of her ultimate fate in this show? Yeah, I think so. I think Maggie is a wild card. Also, she's changed a lot. I mean, she, she, her arc over the series has been significant, but I think I think the death of Glenn changed her in a big way. But leaving and coming back, she's a different person. You get the impression that what she went through in Meridian uh, with <laughs> with the group that she joined there, I think she's harder. I mean, yes, she's also surrounded by ninjas now, which is, you know, a nice look. Um <laughs> But you get the impression that she is absolutely hard as nails. And without, again, without spoiling anything, she recounts an anecdote in these first episodes of the next one, which is 
absolutely as dark as anything I've ever heard on this show. Like, it is pitch black. Like, really dark stuff. And I think she has seen things, to paraphrase, that you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> and I think it has changed her. It's the whole thing. You know, you stare long into the abyss, the abyss stares back into you. And so Maggie is at least 50% abyss at this point. <laughs> 50% void. Um, <laughs> but I do... Do you know what, though? I mean, she is... And, and Kremio, she is one of... The longest, the side from Daryl and Carrie. Is she the longest standing character in this in the series in the show? Yeah, she joined in season two. Yeah, I think she's going to have to die because <laughs> what? Beth Webb. No, you have blood on your hands. No, no, no. I'm gonna. I don't want her to, but I think she'll have to. It's, it's the, just a, it's the phrasing. I don't want her to, but she's going to have to die. <laughs> she has to. You know, they've they've done away with most of the long-standing cast. The other ones are now assigned to other projects. Mm. They're going to have to get, like I say, we're going to have to earn this sense of hope. We're going to have to earn this sense of, of humanity. And to do that, we're going to have to go through quite a lot of pain. And she is one of the only kind of long-standing cast I think is capable of that, that kind of death of really, really... Mm getting people in the fields. So I think... Oh, Beth. I, do you know what I mean? I'm even talking about this and Chris can't even look at me. I think this might be... <laughs> this might be it. But I think it'll be a noble death. You know? I think she'll go out do you think, on a, do you think Negan she, will cry? <laughs> oh, my God. Do you think she'll take a bullet for Negan? Oh, my God. <laughs> I yes. seriously doubt and it. And then right away um, on Shiva's ghost. I'm yeah. not over Shiva, man. No, you, you really <laughs> aren't, are you? <laughs> She's not. She, they're not going to kill Maggie, and here's why: because she's got a kid. She's got a kid, and that's, that's a really oh, horrible yes. land. Yes. I, I know yeah, Glenn the had a kid. Dead never does bad I things know, to parents. I know, but I just, I know, I know, and or kids for that matter. But you know, like, no one is safe in this world. I know, but I just feel it's going to be a slightly sunnier side up show. <laughs> what am I oh, saying? Chris. It's going to be. <laughs> It's going to be slightly more optimistic. There's going to be songs. There's going to be dancing. There's going to be, you know, it's going to be barbecues and ball games. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Maggie will be fine because you don't want to leave little Herschel orphaned. It's not fair that Negan should have to get away with it. Negan, who is, you know, killing people left, right and center. Okay, stay with me. Maggie dies. Herschel's orphaned and Negan adopts him. Oh, no. Negan does take a lot of the kids under his wing. He does. A lot He's of, like, very paternal. Leon storylines with with. Um, but it's an it's an awful wing. I mean, that, that, no <laughs> one should have to wing. go into that wing. That wing is dilapidated <laughs> and full of cobwebs and death <laughs> and wrapped in barbed wire. Yeah, no, but oh, that wing has been out of bounds. Out of bounds. Oh, you know what? I think you might be right. Oh. <laughs> I don't like to say it, Chris. I'm not happy no. about any of this. No. But I just think. It's it's gonna have to take something pretty major, and everyone yeah. else, their fates have been, you know. I know it. It could be Eugene. It could be Eugene. I think that would be upsetting. It could be Ezekiel, though he's ill anyway, so maybe that would be an easy out. Yeah, I think he's he's out, isn't he? And I think that would be like a noble. I think that would be there'll be a moment where he realizes it's gonna have to come down to someone dying, and he's yeah. on the way out anyway. So I think that is gonna be a self sacrifice at this yeah. stage. And he'll look, he'll look good doing it as well. I'm sure he will. he'll look cool, he just cool as hell. Just go and like. <laughs> do you reckon? Do you reckon he'll bring back his English accent just for one last hurrah? Yeah. <laughs> we'll get King Ezekiel back again. Come on. Is Eugene? Is Eugene? Okay, so I'm I'm going to Wizard of Oz this. Okay, if Mikey is the heart of the show, uh huh. Eugene is the ponytail. Is Eugene? 
Eugene's a ponytail. You know, the, the famous Wizard of Oz analogy. <laughs> if I only had a ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> so is he is he the brains or the... He's the courage, I would have thought. Courage. Mm. Yeah, is Eugene he's, the courage? I mean, he's the cowardly lion. I don't know if he's the courage. Well, then what happens with the cowardly lion? He gets his roar and he's like... Rrr. I you don't know, see Eugene getting a roar. You don't see Eugene getting oh, a no, roar? Oh, no, you're talking about Eugene. Eugene's the... Bra- no, is there a brain's... He's a brain. Yeah, he's, 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 he's a brain. Is Eugene the brain? He's, he's the scarecrow. Yeah, because he did say, the bullets, didn't he? The, yeah. The brain he's the smart one. Yeah, he's super smart. So it's brains, courage, and heart, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, just double checking. All right. So if Maggie is the heart, Negan yeah. is the brains. Negan's the brains, is right? Negan's the brains. Negan's I don't the brains. Saw Negan's the brains. This is I didn't have this written down in my Eugene's notes. The <laughs> like, into Wizard of Oz. I, I feel this analogy may be stretching <laughs> beyond its capacity God. to uh, actually work. If you play the entirety of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon uh, instead of listening to this, you, you're, you're doing a lot better. Uh, <laughs> trust, trust me. No. So, so I think Negan is the brains. But here's the thing: that Eugene's arc is. He's a, he's a cowardly lion, as Beth says. So he's, it's about him doing something, stepping up to the plate. Maybe he's the one who takes a bullet for Negan. Negan's the wizard in this analogy. Yeah, I was going to say Negan's the wizard. <laughs> Paying no attention to the sociopath behind the curtain. So who's the Wicked Witch of the West End? Because oh, the house drops on her. I well, I think, I think that character is yet to be introduced. I think we're going to meet that character later on in this season. I don't know how Princess fits into this analogy. I'm a big fan of Princess. So Princess, yes. uh, new character from last season, Paolo Lazaro. Uh, loads of fun in the comics, loads of fun in the show. I think I I'm, I think it's nice that they're bringing in that sort of little bit of new blood. Also, because it does keep you guessing, because they got quite a broadcast as it is. Not all of whom I would say get that much to do anymore. Like Rosita doesn't tend to get an awful lot to do these days. Aaron, despite having a mace for a hand, again he doesn't get anywhere near enough screen time. I want to see him staving in some heads with that mace hand. Twenty four um, episodes. Twenty four episodes. Yeah. Lots yes, there's of more real than estate. enough time for everyone to have their moment in the sun. Gabriel as well. Gabriel, who had a great episode with Robert Patrick at the end again among the bonus episodes at the end of season 10 that was a really nice one which was an Aaron and Gabriel episode uh, but that was good with Gabriel who when we first met him when we first met Seth Gilliam he was hiding in a church letting people die and now he's a community leader he's a badass he's only got one eye you know he's had quite the journey yeah. could it end here maybe <laughs> uh, yeah no, I love Princess. I think Princess Princess came along at a great time because I think we did need we needed someone with the ability to dress up zombies in fancy dress. I think we needed somebody with the with <laughs> the kind of that isn't afraid to have a little bit of fun. And there's some stuff that happens at the beginning of the season where it's like a shortcut basically into some of these slightly newer characters' personalities, which works in a really, really fun way. And I think yeah, Princess. I think Princess will hurt if she's one to go because I think yeah. she's she's just compounding in with such verve and as you say, color as well. At a time when you know it is as always, there's there's little pockets of light and fun and hope, but it is few and far between. And she's kind yeah. of this nice electric current kind of going through it at all times. Where even in deep dark horrible places, she's still able to maintain that kind of energy to her, which is really nice. 
Yeah, she's definitely on my safe list, as in I want her to remain safe. Along with Judith. I had to say, like, if Judith died, I'd be mortified. Yeah. Equally, Jerry. I love Big Jerry. Big Jerry. I need Big Jerry to live right to the end of this. Like, I will be deeply upset. <laughs> oh, God. Do everyone. You want everyone yeah. to live. <laughs> I want everyone to live. Like, absolutely everyone. At an absolute push, I'll give you Eugene. But everyone else, you just hands off, leave them alone. Eugene's mullet, and then yeah. everyone, everyone else lives. I mean, can we talk about Eugene's ponytail? <laughs> what is going on? I love his ponytail. I want to go around the wall um, with a pair of scissors. Daryl's hair in this is, and as someone who has, has gone through various stages of lockdown fringe over the past year and a half, I want to take a, a solid pair of scissors to Daryl's bangs. I'm buzz I love he's always looking through his fringe. Like it's always <sighs> over his eyes, always. You know, the emo years were a good decade ago now, Daryl. We need you to, to mix it up a little bit. Maybe that'll be for the new um, spin-off, a new kind of look. Maybe we could kind of workshop some ball. ideas for the Q-ball new... Cue ball Daryl. Cue Daryl. Yeah. Jarhead Daryl. Just yeah. try a few. Mullet Daryl. Kind of a spiky... Yeah, we could workshop some ideas maybe for Well, like there. if he was a character in The Sims and you're going through all the different <laughs> yeah. iterations of appearance that you, you can you can go for. I love yeah. that that's your go-to gaming reference, but yes. Well, there's there's I, I, I also play FIFA from time to time. Uh, oh, you know how yeah. you customise the players' hairstyles and give them mullets? Yes, exactly like <laughs> you that. You do, you can in FIFA. <laughs> you can. And especially if you have your own player in the, uh, in the you know, be a pro part of the game. Anyway, we're, we're getting into the weeds again. There's a lot of stuff to get into there uh, as well. Do you think the obvious arc with Gabriel is that he loses the other eye and he is forced, condemned <gasps> because he's had blood in his hands and, you know, he's a, he's a man in the cloth and he's maybe lost a little bit of his soul. And so maybe he's a little bit like Father Callahan, who's the priest from Stephen King's Salem's Lot, and he's condemned, doomed to wander the earth forever. That's, that's, I think he's, I think he's made amends. I mean, he's, again, he's still got some darkness to him, but I think he has worked very, very hard to uh, erase the red from his ledger, the crimes he originally committed. And again, it was finding courage. Like he was a coward and the apocalypse has caused him to sort of find inner reserves of strength. And now, you know, he's a, he's a community leader. So I think he, I think he's come, he's come a long way. And I think also since Michonne left the show, that's given him room to kind of expand into more of a leadership role as well. Again, she's a big loss, a big loss mm. to the show, Danai Guerrero. Mm. I'm wondering if we'll see her again in this final season. If she'll Ooh. show, because again, she's not one who died. She's one who wandered off, mm-hmm. just like Maggie did. And that means she could wander back. Indeed. We'll, we'll get to that later yeah. on, the potential surprise cameos and reappearances and whatnot. I've ruled out the governor, uh, but uh, pretty <laughs> much anyone else is still on the table as far as I'm concerned. Um, so Daryl and Carol, what do you think is going to happen with them? You know, they're they're not going to die, presumably. No. Although no. a spin-off could take place in any of the hey. time jumpy places. And no one has said that Daryl and Carol are alive in the spin-off show. <laughs> one of them could be a zombie. It could be like Ender Shaun of the Dead. Like Daryl's dead and she keeps him in a shed <laughs> as a zombie and plays video games with him. You don't know. That could happen. Yeah. 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 I'd be up for that. Maybe. I yeah. mean, they're gonna have to be really clever. They're going to have to be really clever with what they do here, given that we know full well that they're getting out of whatever predicament they're going to be in alive. Because they can't, how else are they going to stretch that? We, they can't turn the spin off into a prequel because they didn't know each other before this happened. But there's plenty of time jumps, Beth. There's plenty of time jumps. There's plenty of like, places in the show where we have, we didn't, we're not privy to what went on with, with Daryl and Carol. Like, so you know, I think that's been like covered within an inch of its life though with the with the bonus episodes. I'm just, mm. I just think they, they can't, 
they're just going to have to be very clever, I think, because there's no point putting them, you know, putting a huge amount of momentum behind placing them in dangerous situations where their fate is questioned because we know that they're going to come through it, you know? So I think it's just, they're just going to have to be very clever with what they do with those characters and how they use those characters yeah. within the dynamic of a bigger group. I love the idea that Angela Kang is listening to the show and, you know, maybe they haven't finished the, the show yet. And she's, she's sitting here listening to the show with a big pad and she's got a blank piece of paper. And on the top is written ideas, question mark. She's written down cookery show, zombie musical, brain, question mark, question mark, yeah, quiz show. And then just in, in big bold letters now, be very clever. And that's just, and then she circled that and underlined it as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay guys i've got it now we're gonna be very clever yeah but it's, it's true though it is true because but here's here's my this just, literally just popped into my head what if the announcement of the spin-off show is misdirection i mean it wouldn't be the first time like we talked about they remember when they talked about with the comic that they he actually mocked up covers for the next five issues wow. to give to to, to, to to retailers so they would think they were coming and then just ended it so it was all misdirection. Could that be me? There may be no Daryl and Carol show imagine, at all. And actually, both of them die together in a ball of fire. Oh, God. Hit by a zombie train. Could you? I, I feel like the backlash from that would be that would people wouldn't come back from that. I think that would be the end of a significant audience for this franchise. If they did that, if they're like, nope, and then and then Daryl gets killed, like like that would be, I'm I'm like giddy with like the thrill of that happening because people would be so angry. I think there's scope to kill. I think when you're getting to the end, when the show is ending anyway, I think there is definitely scope for killing off someone like that you wouldn't want to continue the show without. But since yeah. you're not continuing the show, do it. Mm. But here's the thing, like, Daryl was such a huge fan favourite, and still is a huge fan favourite. Norman Reedus is first build in the cast now. Mm. And, but I do wonder if the early fervour of that fandom has dissipated somewhat, and, you know, all that, if Daryl dies, we riot business. Maybe people are a little bit more okay with the idea of Daryl making the heroic sacrifice. I mean, but he, he does have a dog to live for, I guess. That's true. <laughs> The imaginatively named dog. Listen, do not diss a TV character calling her dog, dog. Columbo did it. And if it's good enough for Columbo, then it's good enough for Daryl. I like that dog has his own little, you know, like utility vest. Do you think Daryl and dog might have their own statue in Budapest one day? Yes, 100%. 100%. That's a niche reference for people who know that there is, in fact, a statue of Columbo and his dog in the middle of Budapest. Yes. I want to go to there. I have been there. I have touched said statue. <laughs> why have you, why did you of all people just to just to annoy you? <laughs> it has worked. It's worked. You're playing the long game. You're like Negan. <laughs> Ridiculous man. Ridiculous human being. Any other characters that you think you, you don't want to see die? Do you want to see Aaron make it? Do you want to see Ross Marquand and his incredible ability to imprint? Yeah, that's something that hasn't really come up in the show. The fact that Ross Marquand is a world class impressionist. To the point where that's why he was hired by Marvel to play the Red Skull in Avengers Endgame and What If. Because he he's just uncanny. Have you ever seen his impressions? Go on no, YouTube. I have never seen them. Honestly, he does the best Matthew McConaughey I have ever heard. Better than the real thing. He does a great John Malkovich. He does, he's a wonderful Harrison Ford. And Harrison Ford is really difficult to do. Ross Marquand gets it down. He was famed, kind of famous for that. He had a like, big YouTube following before he got picked up on The Walking Dead. What I'm saying is that it's time for Aaron to start rolling that out, uh, perhaps towards the end of the show. But 
if they don't do that, what do you think will, will happen with him and his big old mace arm? Maybe he trips and like falls <laughs> on his own arm. <laughs> he gets pinned under him and he impales himself on his own mace hand. And he, and he goes, this is not all right, all right, all right. <laughs> that was Matthew McConaughey, by the way, but Ross Marquand is much better. <laughs> um, yeah, falls on the ice, gets lost in his own beard, which has uh, been a massive, <laughs> massive development in that character. Yeah. Um, well, he he's assumed kind of a leader role, hasn't he? He's not necessarily the new Rick, but he has assumed he's he's been good in kind of teaching them combat and stuff i feel like he's still got quite a lot of i imagine he'll do quite a lot of heavy lifting in terms of action i think that's where we'll see him lead on maybe death in battle if i do you think he'll take a bullet for negan no but james would Uh, james absolutely would (laughs) (laughs) negan did compliment his mace hand by saying it was badass when he first saw it so you know clearly they shared a moment Um, Unbelievable. Yeah, probably, yeah, like death in battle, I would say, really. I think he's quite an easy one to let go. I'm sorry. Oh, harsh. Come on, Aaron. Unbelievable. Uh, Anyone else? Who do you think might live and who do you think might die? I'm really enjoying Yumiko's. um, She's getting to do a lot more. She is, yeah. yeah. Uh, Which is exciting. Matsura, yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, she's already again. She she's involved in the first few episodes where we we find out a little bit more about her quite quickly, which is kind of great. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else she gets up to in this because she's she's kind of a, a straight Arab, but also doesn't doesn't take any nonsense from anyone as well. So I think it's great that that she's coming into it in a more interesting way. I like her dynamic with Princess as well, and obviously they are now very much in the the belly of the uh, Commonwealth. So I think she's going to get to do some very cool stuff within that capacity as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing where she goes. Fate, I mean, do we have to say whether we want them to die or not, or if they might die? I'd, I'd rather just, just find out with this one, to be honest. Controversially, final season of The Walking Dead, no one dies. Like, there <laughs> are no deaths for the imagine? entire run. Not a single person dies. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be amazing. That would be a bold stretch. Even the zombies. There's not a single bit of zombie killing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just all flowers and singing yeah. from here on in. Uh, but we do know, they're, well, you know, again, we're not giving stuff away, but there are some really cool sequences in the first two episodes yes, in which are. a whole bunch of zombies bite the dust for the second time. Poor souls. <laughs> so uh, I expect the show will go out with a bang. Do you think the show will be epic? We've had large scale action in The Walking Dead before. This is this is not a show that is bereft of a budget. It can throw around a few quid every now and again. So do you think it will? Do you think we'll have all out war two? Do you think the ghost of the governor will come back with the ghost of Shiva and his tank and uh, and wreak havoc? I mean, I already really like what they've done with this season in terms of location. I'm using my words so carefully here. Uh I think it's gone back to its roots in a way that has made it very effective. And already that has put yeah. it off on a good first foot for me. Some of my favorite scenes have been the ones where they do lean into the elements, you know, like the snow battle was really cool. So if they are able yeah. to expand the world in a way that we haven't seen before, which again, I'm being so careful with my words mm-hmm. here, they are sort of already doing here. There's a tremendous opening sequence. Yes. Yes. Really, really good. <laughs> I agree with you, Chris. 
without yes. saying anything else. But, That's um, all I will say. Yes, if they can, if they can expand the world in a way and, and lean into the elements. And I already like that the, you know, I think that's so clever that, you know, it's over a decade since it's happened. They've run out of bullets. They've had to adapt how they fight and how they engage with these threats yeah. now. And so you get to see this whole new kind of vein of fighting and different styles and different ways of being resourceful in that moment as well. So it's keeping that very fresh in that way. So And how much they don't panic when their backs are up against a wall. Yes. For example, you know, everyone is very, very calm for the most part, you know, every, <laughs> Eugene, maybe aside. Uh, everyone's very calm and very methodical and they assess the situation and it's like, that's okay. So it's, it's a walker. I can deal with a walker. It's fine. They're, they're 10 a dozen. Uh, I also like how, and I think Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later did this. I think Romero did this a little bit as well, but obviously Romero's by and large took place over a fairly compressed time period, you know, but there's this idea that, you know, we're now, what, 10 years more, actually, more than 10 years beyond the starting point of the show because of all the different time jumps. We're probably 15 years beyond the time that, you know, that, that you know, where we first picked up the story with Rick. So naturally, you're always going to get fresh zombies and fresh walkers. That's just the way it is. Everyone's infected. So if someone dies, and they don't get shot in the brain or, you know, killed in the brain, they'll come back as a walker. But the original walkers are now basically just desiccated living skeletons that don't necessarily always have the energy of the the first group of walkers as well. So that's an interesting, different threat to deal with. And 28 Days Later did that a, a little bit. You know, it, it, it was a bit more realistic in terms of their physiology of zombies slash walkers slash whatever they were in that movie. Mm. And I like Infected. that they're doing it here. Infected, yes, because they're, they're not technically zombies. No. You know, but we saw by the end of that film, for example, after a month or so had gone, that they were pretty much emaciated because they hadn't mm. eaten. Yes. Very skinny. Very skinny. Very skinny. They had a good old slap-up meal. Um, so a couple of things I want to pick up on before we, we finish off. James, you've mentioned the Commonwealth a couple of times. Let's talk a little bit more about the Commonwealth because we've seen all kinds of different groups and alliances that you know our heroes have butted heads with or formed um, alliances with. How's the Commonwealth differ from the Queen's not at the head of it? This is a different Commonwealth, for example. Okay. <laughs> yes. so, yeah. It's not her Madge uh, in charge of it all. Yeah, <laughs> She's that's, not the big bad you were referring to earlier no, on, right? No. Okay. Okay. Oh, no. well, she might be. That'd be, she that'd could be, be a bit of a shock as well. But uh, can you talk a little bit more about what the Commonwealth is, how it differs from the previous groups we've seen, and who that big bad, if there is one, might well be? Well, without getting into spoilers, and I think I, I touched on this a little bit with uh, with Angela, which is the the Commonwealth is a group unlike most of the other groups they've encountered, which have all been kind of ragtag, at best small communities led by a warlord, at worst just you know roaming groups of thugs. The Commonwealth is the closest thing we've seen to a recreation of the old world, like a proper functioning society with jobs and employment and governance and currency. So the Commonwealth, I guess, is a glimpse at a possible future, which is a return to the past. But I think the interesting thing about the Commonwealth is they've gone back to the old world, they've resurrected things from the old world, but they've gone back and maybe resurrected some of the inequalities and problems which should have been left dead 
in the old world. So I think they're repeating mistakes which have come before, and I think that will that will unfold as this series goes on. But the big bad, this Commonwealth does have a leader. The less said about that person, the better, but there is a president of this Commonwealth. Uh, whether or not that person turns out to be a big bad or a good person, Christopher, I couldn't possibly say. <laughs> but there will be, there will need to be a big bad, right? So if it isn't Negan, and if it isn't Maggie, Judith, it's Judith. It's Judith. <laughs> Definitely Judith. Look at her eyes. You can tell. She's got like cold, dead eyes of a killer. But there will need to be drama. There will need to be conflict. Well, it's not just the Commonwealth. So interestingly, this that we've got two threads here, that we've also got the group who took over Meridian, the group that Maggie has tangled with during her time off screen. So it's not just the Commonwealth. We also have a very nasty group, which we saw some of in the last episodes of Series 10, like proper full-on psychopaths. So, you know, that's very comfortable ground for The Walking Dead. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. But I'd be interested to see if it does spiral off in a, into a, a new, unanticipated direction. Because we talked the last time about this sort of sickler nature of The Walking Dead, and it, you know, there, there was a little bit of a, a, a rinse and repeat nature to the show from roughly seasons four through to eight, where they would go to a new community, they would bump heads, they would butt heads with a, a, a new group of antagonists led by... And, you know, the governor or or Negan, and then obviously you know recently as well with the whispers and Alpha, uh, and it might be a, an opportunity for the show to break away from that. Now, where the conflict comes from that, if the conflict is basically just bureaucratic, mm. is that going to be enough to hold people's attention? Well, I think what they've succeeded in doing is always keeping it fresh. Because yes, I know what you mean in terms of they the very nature of sort of an ongoing show is there will always be adversaries, there will always be things to overcome. But I think what's worked very well for this is it's never been like Negan wasn't the governor. It's a very different setup, very different scenario. You'll always have groups, and some of these groups are good and some of these groups are bad but i think as we've discussed before those labels don't really mean an awful lot in the world of the walking dead like good and bad you've got just different groups of people trying to get by and trying to be as ruthlessly practical as they need to be and i think it, there's a there's when when rick and the gang first come to alexandria when they when they essentially take over control of alexandria there's a moment there where the people in alexandria who've been trying to live like they used to live with this kind of like very strict rules about what is and isn't right, what is good, what is evil. They realize that that's not the world they live in anymore. And they defer to Rick's rather more bullet driven method of justice. And he puts someone down in short order. And I think that's what this show is all about. It's about the kind of the moral necessities that living in a post-apocalyptic world populated by zombies mm -hmm. entails. And look, I'm not saying that this show should be watched by everyone as a survival manual for the world of global warming that we were all charging headlong into. <laughs> but, uh, you know, maybe. Maybe. So it's a man who has a go bag for his go bag. His go bag has a go bag. My go bag has a go bag. A go bag with a baseball bat covered in barbed wire. Yes. <laughs> Yes, indeed. James James is the big bad uh, of the show, and in fact, of this podcast uh, as well. We know that the show has deviated from the comic book in many, many significant ways over the years, and I wouldn't expect it to adhere too closely to what happens. <laughs> Obviously, it can't, because there were some characters in the comic book who aren't around in the show anymore, uh, who, who kind of carry the torch onwards. But I'm, I, I think it might go in a, in a slightly different direction from what we've been expecting. I'd be kind of up for it if it was just set up new systems of government and it just became a debate show for the last four episodes and no one died and there was nothing nothing bad ever happened to anyone ever again the end but you mentioned earlier on michonne and the fact that she's still around that Denai guerrera left the show but she's still potentially available uh as is of course one rick grimes 
Now, mm. do you think we might see anyone that we have written off, that they are gone, that this might be a sort of backdoor pilot again for this trio of Rick Grimes and I presume as well Michonne movies that uh, are still coming our way? It's hard to say, isn't it? I did. I asked this of Angela Kang, which she, of course, deflected nicely, as I would expect. <laughs> but uh, whether or not we'd see him come into this, I don't know. So he was taken off by Jadis towards, I, I guess, I always assumed that it was connected to the organisation or the governing body that we see in The Walking Dead World Beyond. And I wonder whether introducing that level of complexity to this might just be a step too far. But that's a whole world of stuff to get into. And I think we've already got this Meridian thread, we've already got the Commonwealth thread. I don't know that that wouldn't necessarily work as well. I mean, I could be wrong. You never know. Maybe he'll turn out. Maybe the final episode will be a kind of like, you know, Rick and Negan walking off into the sunset together. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? What about, what about Fear the Walking Dead? Do you think that'll tie in somehow as well, maybe? I, I, I would always welcome Morgan back into the fold. Oh, yeah. I think it would be not necessarily a standalone episode or a dedicated episode, but it would be a missed opportunity not to at least reference them in some way, given how long it's been since they left the show, just in terms of what Cove is thrown at the timeline of this show and how much it's delayed it. And then how long it's going to be before we see those stories as well. I think we're going to need to wet that appetite ever so slightly or just give fans something. I would be very surprised over 24 episodes if we don't have any mention of them whatsoever, but I could be wrong. We shall see. We shall see. Do you think we'll see the ultimate cameo, which is Detective Munch, a.k.a. the actor Richard Belzer from Law <laughs> & Order? Don't know what you're talking about. How do you not know this, James? Beth, you're the pilot people. How do you not know this? Richard Belzer, Munch, from Homicide Life in the Street. Richard Belzer holds the record for the most uh, appearances as a single character in a number of TV shows. How do you not know this? I, d- I definitely didn't know this. He uh, so he uh, he played Munch. Uh, he was a he was a cop on Homicide Life in the Street, uh, which isn't a procedural, James. It's an astonishing I'm TV aware. show. Yes, it's David uh, Simon. Okay, show. good. Yes, indeed. So you know, if you haven't seen that, check it out. And then he uh, migrated as a character for to Law and Order SVU, but along the way, he has popped up as Munch on a number of shows, including The X Files, Arrested Development. And The Simpsons. He holds the record. I think he's appeared in something like 16 different shows as Munch. Oh so it God. seems to me that the only logical conclusion now is that he pops up in the final episode of The Walking Dead. <laughs> SVU. And you are the only one that knows and appreciates it, Chris. <laughs> well, on this show, apparently, yes. Honestly, imposters, you lie and you sign I'm yourself so to sorry. lies. <laughs> Anyway, on that note, on that disappointing note, that is it for this very, very special episode of The Walking Dead, an Empire and Pilot TV podcast special. Don't forget you can see every episode to date of The Walking Dead on Disney+, Plus, on Star. And there are new episodes of The Walking Dead, the final season, season 11 of The Walking Dead, a momentous event exclusively on Star, coming your way every week over the next few months. Until they run out. And then after that, that's it, folks. No more Mothership Walking Dead. You know, I've quite enjoyed this little crossover. It's a bit like Munch showing up in Arrested Development and The Simpsons <laughs> and The X-Files. Going on? Who knows? Maybe Empire 
and pilots' paths will cross again. But in the spirit of cross-podcast cooperation, I haven't told them I'm doing this, by the way, I'm going to leave the outro to James, the pilot of Pilot, to bring this bad boy home. James. You can't. Okay, yes, I you're can. have to give me a second. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not prepared this at all. I know. You absolute tit. Let me think. Uh, See, what okay. traditionally happens now is that you say goodbye to your colleagues and co-pilots of such lethal cunning, and then, and then you say goodbye. Thanks for listening. Pilot out, and then we play your theme music. That, okay, I mean, I'm I not going to want to tell you how to do your job. but uh, Okay, okay. All right, fine. <laughs> Well, that is it then for this episode of the Pilot TV Podcast and the Empire Podcast. Please do leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And you can find us on social media at James C. Dyer, at Chris Hewitt, and at Beth K. Webb. The Pilot TV Podcast will be in your ears on Monday when we'll be talking about The Walking Dead as well and reviewing the new series. And the Empire Podcast will also be with you next Friday, so do check that out as well. Until then, though, Pilot out. Oh, do we not get to say goodbye on the Pilot TV podcast? No one gets to say goodbye on Pilot. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. No one gets to say goodbye. Well, it's goodbye. Okay. Well, in that case, it's goodbye from me and my two co pilots of such lethal cunning, Justice for Shiva, Beth Webb. Bye. And Negan2024. We got to tell people about your squadcast name, Jimbo. Negan2024. Are you announcing that Negan is running for president? Is that what you're doing? Negan for America. God help us all. All right, James Dyer. And of course, it's goodbye from me, the Podding Dead. Pilot out. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. Yeah.